and salutations. Welcome to the St. Malt Show. This month, our guests are Best Worst Movie and Troll 2 star, George Hardy. Filmmaker and producer, Tommy Avaloni. Musical guest, Team Goldie. A movie on tape from Jeffrey Shropshire. Theme music from Chico's Vibe. I'm your announcer, old-timey radio personality, and now your host, St. Maud himself, the one, the only, Matthew Kelly! Hello, hello, thank you, thank you so much. Well, here we are, episode one, New Year 2011. You guys know what that means? Whatever could it mean? Websites are releasing their top 10 lists, top 10 movies, books, video games, stuff like that. But you know what my favorite ones are? Oh, do tell, say more. Top 10 music lists, or as I like to call them, top 10 albums by bands you've never heard of. <laughs> thank you, thank you, you're all too kind. You, sir, are quite the scoundrel. Right back at you, buddy. Now, as you all know, I'm a huge Twitter user. This week, People were posting on Twitter their fake, less ambitious movie titles, so I jumped in the fun. I'd like to read you my list to you guys. Okay, uh, first here we have Die Easy. We got Harry Potter and the school year that occurred without any problems. The Mediocre Muppet Caper. Can Kinda Wait. Back to the Present. Buffy, the girl who didn't kill vampires because they didn't fucking exist. Five days of summer. Good defeats evil in the end. Sometimes they come back, but this time they didn't. Star Trek II, The Disappointment of Khan. And finally, Jaws of Revenge. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter. My name is Saint Mort. So, old-timey radio announcer. Cheerio! Have you heard about these Lost fans winning $150 apiece by playing the lottery numbers from Lost in the Mega Millions drawing? Boy, I did, and what a scoop! I'm glad that worked out for him. I always try to play lucky numbers from my favorite pieces of pop culture, but apparently the lottery doesn't consider Slevin a real number. Oh, Matthew, you rascal! <laughs> well, I think it's about time we get into the thick of the show, but first I wanted to bring my brother out. He uh, wanted me to put him on the show, and I created a little segment I call, How's Brian Doing Today? Let's go check up on Brian Make us laugh, make us cry Just figure how Brian's doing today See if he's in a bind Maybe he's doing fine Let's be sure that Brian is okay, yeah. We want to make sure that he's well. If not, let's make him feel swell. Let's just see how Brian is today. Make sure that everything Okay. So Brian, how are you doing today? Awesome. Let's go check up on Brian. Make us laugh, make us cry. Just figure 
how Brian's doing today. See if he's in a bind. Maybe he's doing fine. Let's be sure that Brian is okay. If not, let's make him feel swell Let's just see how Brian is today Make sure that everything's okay All right, and we're premiering our uh, new segment called Skyping with the Stars. Our first star is the star of the movie Troll 2 and the documentary Best Worst Movie. We have uh, George Hardy here. Hello, hello. How you doing today, George? Hey, <laughs> fine. It's kind of funny to be called a star, you know? <laughs> I don't think most folks that uh, would be listening to this would ever imagine that I'm actually a general dentist in Alabama. <laughs> you know? Uh, it's it's a you know the best worst movie. It's a great movie. Um, it's, you know, getting a lot of buzz. I've been seeing on you know Facebook and Twitter. People have been putting on a lot of their top ten lists of the year. I know it's amazing. Uh, and you know, I was among one of them actually on Geekscape's list. Uh, oh yeah, thank you, thank you. No problem. It's it's a wonderful movie about you know wonderful people, and it's wonderful to see. You know, it, it seems like it's really a movie about people who had this dream that they thought was over with, and uh, they're they're seeing that they really did make an impact, even though it might not specifically be the impact that they intended. Exactly. Um, now, there's one person in the documentary that grabbed my attention the most that I wanted to ask you about was uh, the director, Claudio. Sure. Um, of all the people, he seemed the most reluctant to... Uh, to take on the title of being the director of the worst movie of all time, which is understandable, but it says that, uh, you know, him and his wife are working on Troll 2 Part 2. Uh, did he, is there something that they didn't show about how he eventually came to terms with the title, or, I mean, what what exactly was the story with Claudio? Because towards, it didn't really show at the end if he uh, was all right with this or not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really think that uh, Michael really uh, was able to capture the true essence of most all of us that he interviewed, especially Claudio, uh, the director of Troll 2, you know, and the fact that he did uh, direct probably the worst, one of the worst films ever made, <laughs> according to millions of people now that have seen, you know, really bad movies and put it up there as one of the top ones. <laughs> 100. In fact, it hit the bottom 100 in April of, of 2006 when we stumbled across it on, on IMDb, and that's where the whole uh, kick uh, start of the documentary came about. And so, uh, you know, fast forward 18 years later since Troll 2 was made, yes, you know, Claudio has become known as the director of one of the worst films ever, but, you know, I think what the essence of, of that was caught in Best Worst Movie that Claudio is, tr is truly an artist and he paints he paints uh, a film on canvas like you know a painter would uh, paint on canvas and so he just it doesn't matter to him whether it's good or bad it's all about making an impression and obviously 
it made a huge impression of all the movies he's ever made. It's made the biggest impression. You know, he's probably made about 30 or 40 movies in his career. I mean, Claudio's definitely become known for 12 too. And I don't think it hurts his feelings. I don't think he's angry about it. He laughs with us about it and now, and he's just such a likable guy. I think, uh, you know, truly, uh, you know, there is one part in the documentary where Claudio says, "These actors, dogs. You know, these, these they are, they are nothing. They are not, they are nothing. They are nobodies." Talking about me and the rest of the cast members, and, and you know, and but that's, I think that's a, uh, that's something that's translated a little differently in, in you know, our language, and he's just basically saying that you know we really, we really aren't anybody, and he's right, we really aren't. <laughs> Now, how did how did you and Michael and uh, I mean I guess the rest of the cast, but really the way it seemed to me anyway, you and Michael were kind of the first ones to discover this insane fan base. Um, where you know where how how did you guys first come upon the following that you guys actually had? Yeah, again, you know, after Troll Two was made in 1989, uh, uh, I shortly after got married, moved back to Alabama. And, you know, I, I just kind of thought, well, maybe it'll come out one day on video. <laughs> this is way before DVDs, you know. And, and it might be possible that Troll 2 uh, might make it to the big screen. And we all kind of thought, oh, well, it might. But you got to understand, when we, made the doc, when we made the film Troll 2, we had no clue what we were doing. We, we, we didn't understand the direction because it's all in Italian. You know, it's a whole Italian film crew that made um, the, the doc... Uh, the, the movie Troll 2. Uh, I keep going back and forth between documentary and movie. <laughs> you know, but back in 89, we just did the best we could. We were all non-actors, and we all did have a hope, hey, it would be cool if we could be on the big screen one day. You know, little did we know that through Michael and I, Michael Stevens and I, you know, Michael was played, who played the son, and my son in Troll 2, he and I brought it back to the big screen in America through Landmark Theaters and other independent film theaters. And we documented all that, of course, in, for Best Worst Movie. <laughs> well, I mean, thank God you did. I, I think that... Thank you. Being someone who, who knew of Troll 2 before the documentary, I've also found so many people who've never even heard of the film, but heard of the documentary and went back and revisited it. Well, visited for the first time, and I was more than happy to help them revisit <laughs> uh, Troll 2 for, for its appeal. How about all the random... Um, there was a lot of random showings that you guys went to where even you guys weren't a part of it. Uh, I think one of them was like an Atkins research group and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, how did you even find a lot of these? Or, you know, the yeah. guy who brought Troll 2 to Iraq. So that's so great. You know what? Uh, you know, it, uh, Michael had read the movie, had read the book, The Tipping Point. And he talked about mavens and people, and uh, in, in, the, in the tipping point, he talks about mavens, who are people that actually go out and spread the news. You're, you're, you're probably a maven for Troll 2, for example, Matthew, and the fact that you are such a Troll 2 fan, you'll tell somebody else about this, you know, underground classic, you know, and uh, there's millions of mavens out there now about Troll 2, or thousands and hundreds of thousands that got, you've got to see this movie, oh my God, it's so bad. So Michael and I, put together a, a website. Michael had uh, left the industry, the film industry, for a while in Salt Lake, and, and he ended up having his own web-based company. And so through his smart ideas and creative ways, we put a website together. For It was called the Official Troll 2 website. 
And now there's well over 200,000 members in that website that we put together four years ago. And people would write in and they would tell us where, um, where they were having Troll 2 parties. And they'd send us films and send us uh, pictures from all over. And this is pre-Facebook. And so through MySpace at the time, we were getting a lot of information. And then Michael, uh, people would seek Michael out and find his email and send email, you know, email pictures <laughs> to Michael. So we were able to find out you know, that there was a fan, for example, in Austria. Uh, there was a fan in Budapest, Hungary. There's several fans in Iceland, and there's fans here, you know, in, in Iraq and there in France. So we thought, you know, let's go find these fans. And so we took off and went to eight countries and, and filmed in 24 cities and documented uh, filming Best Worst Movie, uh, you know, for, you know, this tell the story of the world, the story about Troll 2. Now... now are we going to be able to see uh, some more George Hardy in the future <laughs> in films? Yeah, well, I, you know, uh, that's really wild. I just got off the phone with Michael Stevenson, and we have a, uh, we've been approached, and um, I, I've been asked to, to do a reality show, and uh, we're looking at a concept for that, and uh, there's several people that uh, produces that do uh reality show so I would like for me to host one possibly I've done three other films since Best Worst Movie uh, and I did a, a film called Junk with a fellow named Kevin Hamadani who uh, did a film called Monster, uh, uh, Zombies in Mass Destruction in 2008 and he got quite a bit of uh, film festival recognition from that and so uh, some guys from up in Seattle put him up for another movie and he's called it Junk and uh, myself and my daughter flew up to Brooklyn about a month, month and a half ago and filmed uh, a cameo there. And also, uh, you might want to know if you're a bad film uh, fan, <laughs> The Room, of course, everybody's argued, oh, The Room's the worst film ever made, or Planet Nine is, you know, Troll 2, no, it's not true, but, uh, you know, they, they, we had a lot of fun with that. But uh, the female lead from The Room Myself and the male lead from Birdemic, another really bad movie, just uh, did, a, did a cameo scene in uh, a New Zealand film called um, uh, Ghost Shark 2, Urban Jaws. <laughs> and from okay. what I know, there is no Urban Shark 1, correct? Yeah, that's right. There's no Urban Shark 1. And so uh, uh, Alan Barr, myself, and Juliet Warden, the three of us, had a really fun day in Los Angeles about three or four months ago. And we, um, you know, we were able to <laughs> film for some guys, and we skyped, in fact, with some uh, the director from New Zealand, and he, you know, helped us out with that. And it was a lot of fun. That's coming out in 2011, and so we'll, um, I think, 2011 or 12, I think uh, Sundance might have the opportunity to show Junk. So hopefully, it'll hit, hit that uh, film festival. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and you know, I, you know, it's funny, I. Um, if you watch Best Worst Movie, you guys, it, it asked me if I ever wanted to act again. And you know, as, as I said, I'm a general dentist in Alabama. I have to say my heart, really, I'm, I'm pretty much a ham. I love, to, I love comedy, and <laughs> I just have a lot, whole lot of fun, you know, being in front of people and, you know, just really getting to, uh, like I said earlier, the human psyche of folks and just have fun with it. And I'd love to interview like you do with me. And uh, so who knows, something might come of it. You know, I might, you know, one day get something 
you know, that comes out of the blue that was really something really big. You never know. <laughs> well, that's, that's exciting. I can't believe uh, I'm excited for this reality show. I hope something comes yeah. from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just talk right now. It's in the works. And, uh, yeah, I know. I mean, there's, you know, I don't know, um, Matthew. To me, a lot of the reality shows are really boring and they're trash. And I just think that there could be a really fun concept that could, uh, you know, come about with Best Worst or something along that line. Or you never know, you know? Yeah, you <laughs> but, could do like an anti project green light. Like instead of helping them make a big Hollywood movie, you help them make a low budget movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be kind of fun, you know. I love budget stuff, you know. Uh, what is it, American movie? Uh, you know, this, you know, it won the Sundance Film Festival what, back in the eighties. <laughs> you know, have you seen that documentary? Yeah, that, I, did he ever finish that movie? I feel like he's been making the same know. film for like five years. I have to tell you, I have a really uh, good friend that I met in in our screenings over the past. Uh, few years james eats and james such a sweetheart he's in in chicago and he fell in love with troll too and fell in love with best worst movie and one night ron howard and his crew was uh, in chicago and they really wanted to come out and see best worst movie and her ron was a real huge fan of, of troll too I don't, I don't know that huge fan of troll too but he really had heard a lot about best worst movie and ron was filming in chicago and um, I think his newest films out, the comedy's got out right now. I forget the name of it, but it's like one word. But anyway, Ron wanted to come that night, and Ron didn't make it, but he seen, sent his team in, and it was really fun to be able to show the documentary to his group. And uh, out of the out of the audience, there was a fellow named James Eats, and James, the reason I'm going into this is James, uh, you know, he just really became a good friend of ours and took, a, took us back to the hotel and showed us around Chicago, and he, too, had become really close friends with the guys that made American Movie. And he's not far from Milwaukee, so he went up and visited them, and, uh, and he tells me all about those two guys. And I got on the phone with the guys that made American Movie, and they just seemed like a scream. <laughs> so I've been really fortunate to be exposed to so many things, you know, over the last four or five years of my life, you know, filming and, you know, being a the main subject of a documentary and also seeing the resurgence of a, a movie that you like you said uh, you know it was a train wreck we never thought would ever happen and <laughs> and i've become the center of attention to it all it's pretty it's a pretty wild story really well thank you so much george for uh doing this um, oh yeah. is there anywhere where people can go to find out more about you know where they can see george hardy in these future films or <laughs> Well, yeah, on IMDb, you can kind of see what I've been, been up to a little bit on that. You know, I don't, I'm not a really one big, huge professional person on, on Internet Movie Database, but you can keep up with me probably there. And, you know, I'd love to invite any of you guys to be my Facebook friend that listen in. I'm just George Hardy on Facebook, and, you know, you can kind of, I'm always, uh, you know, I'm not a really big tweeter. I, I you know, I still, Matthew, do you understand tweeting? Uh, is it Twitter? or I, Hell, I don't know. I, I just have the hardest time. It, it's... <laughs> Twitter's the site, tweeting Twitter. is what you do on it. Yeah, 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 I just don't really understand. It doesn't <laughs> seem anywhere as exciting or fun as, you know, keep telling what's going on with uh, with Facebook. For example, today on Facebook, 
I posted, you know, what's your status or something like that. What, what's going on with you right now or whatever. And I asked the question, I posed the question, what's the name of your city spelled backwards? As you know, in <laughs> Troll 2, you know, Nilbog is goblin spelled backwards. And so I posed the question, what's the name of your city spelled backwards? And you would not believe the response. I think within three hours I had over 100 people writing me in, spelling their town or their city backwards. All over the world, too. It's amazing. <laughs> so you couldn't do that in a tweeting. I guess you could, but I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, George. We'll be right back after this brief segment of Movies on Tape with Jeffrey Shropshire. For years, people have been forced to sit and watch B-movies, not completely understanding the context and deeper pieces of it. For once, Jeffrey Shropshire has taken it in his own hands to watch these films and write novelizations and record readings of the novelizations so that you don't have to be confused any longer. So presenting Jeffrey Shropshire's Movies on Tape. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jeffrey with your movie on tape. This month's movie on tape will be the 1996 thriller Hackers. We will start at chapter 27 today, entitled Hack the Planet. Lord Nikon sits in a park performing the dreaded vaudeville shuffle maneuver on an unsuspecting park resident and chest enthusiast. Partner in crime, serial killer's pager then proceeds to go off. Serial quickly declares, I'm blowing up. Not literally, you see, for he is simply hipply referencing his pager. It's Acid Burn, Grand Central, let's go. And the two begin their long rollerblade to Grand Central, while Crash Override fucks with the streetlights as a distraction, a move he has aptly named the typical day in New York City. The group finds their way into Grand Central Station, having no regards for the no shoes, no shirt, no service law, because you see, rollerblades aren't shoes, they're rollerblades. As Acid Burn quickly explains the plan of how to get the Plague's Worm. Plague's Worm? This sounds like the worst film ever. Listen, just read the dialogue, but you don't give a Alright, where was I? Serial killer breaks the tension with a boom ah! Boom boom ah! The others look at Serial killer slightly perplexed as he proceeds to explain that was a little tension breaker. Crash begins to put on his R-Zone headgear way cooler than the Nintendo Power Glove. Let me tell you that. They enter in a third dimensional wonders of computer systems. While inside, they begin hacking like crazy until they get the plague's attention with a cookie monster virus. While Penn Jouette is confused by said virus, the plague is able to solve it quite simply by typing the word cookie. Ah, their cleverly planned virus is mute. But now they unlock the singing head and he sings, Row, row, row your boat. There are too many garbage files for our young heroes to find exactly what they're looking for. The plague has already informed the authorities of our heroes' whereabouts. Plague calls Crash Override in order to quote about his victory. But Acid Burn has a few tricks up her sleeve, calling hackers from around the world to unite. It truly is time to hack the planet. Their fingers swiftly tap across the keyboards with a sound of It truly is a keyboard collision beyond mere words. We have massive infections, cries a poorly paid employee. They're going for the colonel. The plague gets a look on his face and says, Not on my watch, scumbag. The FBI, meanwhile, arrives at the train station. Crash has found the garbage file. 
which they seek. And as DNA strands of computer information fly before his eyes, the plague finds him and disconnects him. Oh damn, it's all on Joey. With a cigarette dangling limply from his lips, Christ gives him the information he needs. It's root slash period workspace slash period garbage period. Joey is victorious. They manage to copy the worm and get killing the Gibson. The plague tries to fight them off, but it is not strong enough. And just before the colonel blows, the plague receives a message from our heroes. Mess with the best. Die like the rest. Thank you. All right, our second guest tonight is uh, Tommy Avalone. He's a director slash writer from New Jersey. Uh, he's done such credits as the Wasted Apples trilogy, uh, Community College. We're trying to forget about Wasted Apples. <laughs> and uh, Boot It and Calendar Girls, and he's got a few other films in the works. Uh, welcome to the show, Tommy. Thank you, Matt, for having me. No problem, sir. Uh, how do you like the studio? Booch is here. Booch is here, too. His, his friend and producer, Booch, is here as well. Hello. Uh, welcome to the studio. Thank you. It is a great studio. I know. I can't believe we got so many audience members out here for a uh, first show. It's pretty impressive. Uh, now, I am told that great studio. Well, before you uh, started doing film, you uh, had a little bit of a political background. Uh, Can I stop for one second and you again may. say? How great of a studio this is! <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's still being worked on. You can hear some construction going you on. You people who are listening are are at a disservice because it is so nice in here. Did I use the word disservice right? <laughs> I, I think All right, so. Good. All right. Go ahead. Question. Uh, you had a political background before uh, becoming a filmmaker. Yes. Uh, when I was 20 years old, I uh, ran for mayor of Haddon Heights, New Jersey. Uh, Booch was there with me. He helped me run my campaign. Uh, he was one of Tommy's Angels, which was uh, a bunch of people that I knew who dressed in suits who protected <laughs> me from anyone who wanted to cause me harm. How did that go for you? I lost. Talking to the microphone. Supposed to talk to the microphone. Hold on, let me move this over. <laughs> well, that's a that's pretty impressive. Now. Yes, I got 8% of the vote. Uh, I was on CNN. Uh, I was on ABC. I was on uh, CBS. Uh, Fox did not do it. They did an interview with me, but they didn't want Char uh, Tommy's Angels in the background. So uh, it didn't work out. <laughs> they, uh, they tried to do a shot without Tommy's Angels, and I said, uh, when you have Tommy, you have Tommy's Angels. And they didn't agree with me, and they said, well, we do this for a living. I said, that's funny. Uh, so do I. <laughs> So the Fox thing never worked out. Did uh, anything good come out of the running for mayor? Or? Yeah, that's how I got my job at 94WYSP. Nice little plug. That's a Philly station for the other 49 states. Yes, it's a CBS station. Uh, I went on their loud and local show and performed my, uh, well, they played my rap song that was all about running for mayor with a band called Tommy and the Politicians. And they played that song and they liked me and then eventually started working there. I mean, the mayor thing was good because we, we almost like we did a, a was it, a parody of running for mayor. You know, all these people, I'd go out and give press conferences and give people milk and cookies to show up, you know. Uh, Very uh, Andy kaufman asked. Yes, things. Andy Kaufman's my hero. I have four of his books that, you know, that are about him. He didn't write them. <laughs> we did, uh, we were in the 4th of July parade for Hatton Heights, and I uh, acted like I was Kennedy, uh, but I didn't get shot. 
I, I was one of the things my dad asked me, uh, can you please uh, not get shot or pretend to not get shot? Yeah, yeah. So beyond uh, you know being on all these news affiliate affiliates, you've also been on television a couple times. Um, I, I heard you were once on Dr. Phil. It's probably the most notable. How did that all come about? Yes, me and Booch faked our way on the Dr. Phil show. It was fantastic. Uh, these people, uh, Kevin Blatt uh, was a, was a, in a documentary called American Cannibal. I forget the director's names, but they were on the Dr. Phil show too. And the way they pre- presented the show was all about people who would do anything to get famous. And uh, this documentary was all about reality shows and how they destroy people's lives and stuff like that. And to, in order to uh, do press for that show, Kevin Blatt, the guy who was the subject of this documentary, came up with a fake show, which no one knew was fake, uh, called uh, Virgin Territory, where he was going to get a whole bunch of virgins in a house, and the winner would have sex with a porn star. Well, uh, Dr. Phil wanted one of these people that was going to be a contestant. And I said, well, I have a friend that can act like a virgin, and that was Booch. How do you feel about being on the Dr. Phil show as a virgin, Booch? Uh, if I could do it all over again, I probably wouldn't. It was great. They paid us. How much did they pay us? Fifty dollars a day? Yeah, fifty bucks a day. You know, it was cool. Put us up in this sweet ass uh, hotel, and uh, flew us out to L.A. It was great, and uh, I got to yell at the guy from Apprentice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I started yelling at the audience members and telling them they all sucked and they didn't know what they were doing. And it was a highlight of my life. Have you uh, lied your way on any other television shows or was Dr. Phil a, one, a one-time shot there? Don't think I've lied my way onto any show. I was in an elevator uh, with Montel Williams once. Uh, my friend was supposed to be on his show, but he got bumped. And... Uh, then we found uh, Montel in an elevator, a very, very small New York elevator, and they started talking about something, and they both got really, really emotional, and they started crying, and it was very, very awkward, the fact that I was stuck in this elevator with someone I know, and Montel Williams crying, and then he later asked him if he wanted to smoke weed, and I <laughs> <laughs> It's my Montel Williams story. Uh, I think I can get away with that, telling that one, right? Did, <laughs> I mean, he's Mon- very open Mon- about smoking Wait, pot. Wait, did Montel ask your friend to smoke pot? Yeah. Or did your friend ask Montel to smoke no, pot? No, Montel asked... Because he's... he's they fr- both like medicinal pot smokers. Yeah, my, my friend has Tourette's, and uh, and Montel has... What, something, right? MS. MS. So he's very, very vocal about smoking pot for the right reasons. And he's like, well, you this could help your Tourette's if you want to smoke with me. And he gave him some stuff, and it was really, really funny and awkward. <laughs> Um, so after the Dr. Phil show, uh, finally, after years and years and years, Community College premiere had its premiere in Philadelphia, which I attended, and uh, it even... Along you know, with the millions and millions of people! Uh, you know, it, it actually even made it onto my list of the top ten movies of, of 2009, which says I didn't see a lot of movies in 2009. Uh, but, but, uh, nine movies? I saw about nine or ten, yeah. Um... But, uh, you know, Where are you going with this? There was a, the, it, it was a very good movie. It was, it was a very funny movie. It was a very surreal movie. And I think having seen some of your past work, it, it was when you guys finally came into your own as far as storytellers. Uh, I, do you, can I use storytellers to really describe what you guys do? Or no. Just... <laughs> I don't care about story, character. I just want 
their characters to say funny lines. We're still kind of learning. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you had a lot of celebrity. A lot, <laughs> a lot of uh, audio no, listeners uh, won't see the finger quotes, but you had a lot of celebrities on yeah, yeah. Movie. Community colleges are, I guess, stepping stone of working with something better. You know, uh, what we do now, uh, we work on, I think, better projects, uh, better production. But uh, community college, we weren't HD or anything like that. Uh, but we got to work with uh, Michael Ray Bauer, who was Donkey Lips and Slew Your Shorts. Uh, Sky Schwartz, who was the guy who stuck his tongue to the pole in Christmas Story and in the toy. Uh, who else? Uh, MC Lars, uh, who I met through you, Matt. And... Um, I think. Oh, the Blue Meanie. The Blue Meanie. We got to work with Blue Meanie, an ECW wrestler, a good and friend of mine. Rich, great Rich oh, and, oh, and Rich Cronin, a uh, very good friend of mine, uh, recently passed away. Uh, and we are going to dedicate the movie to him once it gets on DVD. Um, and it should be good. I mean, uh, we, I like it. You know, I mean, uh, it is what it is. It's four guys who uh, like to drink and don't go to school. Um, is and it? somehow they made that a career. <laughs> <laughs> is there a, um, you know, you mentioned the DVD release. Is there anything that's, that's yeah, well, you know, um, that way? Or? The thing is, uh, you know, it took us four years to make this movie. Uh, and it, in no way is that a good thing to say. Like, we, 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 we wrote it in 2005, and we shot it, half of it. And we realized, you know, we were just doing the same old kind of movie the same way, shooting it awful. So we scratched it all, really started doing this thing called rehearsing, uh, rehearsing with the actors and making sure they knew the lines and uh, actually said them correctly. Um, and we got a uh, DP, Michael Cision, who is amazing. Uh, before that, I would be holding the microphone, pushing record, and still being in the, the shot. So I'm filming it, line by line. So, yeah. All right, you say your line. Now you okay, go. Okay, good. Now you go. <laughs> now let's turn the camera this way, and you say your line. And now you go. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we actually uh, stepped it up in that regard, and it made it a lot better of a movie. Uh, and then that that shooting was 2006. We had to wait for a couple cameos. We had to wait for Lars to come in town to do his, and we had to wait for Rich. Uh, to come back from Boston uh, to do his. So a lot of stuff was just literally waiting. And then also, you know, uh, with the other movies that we did before, I didn't. I only had a job like one or two days. Uh, this I was working full-time in radio, and I couldn't devote the time to edit it. And, like, my computer was so old that some of the stuff I edited on, and then I got a Mac, and then it con- didn't convert, and there was so many problems with the technology that I just really got pissed so much of it, and I just wouldn't touch it for, like, uh, a month. Don't use that out of context, because uh, it sounds like I was talking about my penis. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, like, so it took us a while, and then we eventually got the sound mix because shooting in a bar is awful. Uh, so much of ambient noise. And you have to unplug fridges. There's so much humming. And, and the continuity of the noise. You know, one time you're shooting Timmy, and you hear a refrigerator really, really loud, and you do the reverse shot to Jordan, and you don't hear it at all. So you have to make it all sound right. But the great thing that brought that movie all together uh, is the music. I, I got We got a lot of great music from Sick Animation. Um, Rich Cronin and uh, Doug Ray did the theme song for the movie, and Doug Ray did the Super Size Me theme. Uh, and the music really helps pull it together. There's a Sick Animation uh, great guy. He actually did a song that explained everything that was going on in the movie. Like, if a girl started throwing up, he mentioned that. Everything that was going on in the scene. He wrote a song for the scene. And it was just, it was funny because it was just uh, like a, almost like a one-camera movement. 
that through everything, and then uh, he was as the camera was moving, you saw something, and he was singing it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's funny. A lot of it, a lot of stuff. Uh, so a lot of the music pay, plays to that. Like uh, Laura Lee did a song uh, called. Um, I forget what it was, the transition? Well, a lot of the, some of those transition scenes oh, were oh. sung. We really had the music kind of as a character of the movie, and that's the only way I'm going to look into this movie as anything. It's, it is what it is. It's a dumb movie about dumb jokes, but it's great. But it, it. it's, 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 it's about it's, an hour and a half, and it, yeah. and, it, and it goes by quick. So yeah. at least we have that. Yeah. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying a lot, a lot of filmmakers will try to like read so much into their movie and try to make it bigger than it is. Community College is about four guys who like to drink. And the bar is closing, so they try to do anything they can to bring that bar back into their lives with getting free drinks. You know, I think, you know, as corny as it sounds, you learn a lot by, you know, just making the wasted apples, you know, uh, small kid tanked up and here's yesterday. You know, each each movie we kind of... These are movies that no one knows. No so. one knows, yeah. <laughs> we made them... Like right out of high school, I was still in high school for one of them. Yeah, it was just movies that one day we would like to remake. Uh, better. Yeah, with more of a story and you know a lot of better words. Better words. <laughs> like wasted apples, we kind of realized maybe we said the f word a little too much. Like, every other word is a little bit you know. This thing called growing up really weighs heavy on your soul. <laughs> Let's not use the f word a lot. With community college, we kind of realized that it's just as much about uh, what you do behind the camera, you know, the production work, as you do... Uh, we had a crane it. shot. <laughs> Gotta make it look good. A couple dollies. Now, after after community college, you guys kind of got into producing a little bit more, and you actually have a, a, what I consider to be a very impressive list of films that you've produced so far um, with Calendar Girls and, and Booted. I've yet it's Calendar Girl? Calendar Girl. I'm That's sorry. about the list right there. <laughs> But no. I mean, I've seen—I haven't actually gotten to see either one of those movies yet. But I've seen the the trailers, and I've—you I've, know—it's got an impressive cast. It's got—it looks great. Yeah, I mean, uh, booted. Well, let's see. Counter Girl will be is out first, and that already had a test screening at the Trocadero, and that went over very well. We have Gilbert Godfrey on that, Corbin Burnson, uh, uh, Brian O'Halloran. Uh, if you're a wrestling fan, Al Snow is in it. Uh, Jerry Blav at the Geeter with the Heater, boss of the hot sauce, and it's. Really great movie. It's a horror comedy about some girl who finds out that she's going to be, uh, she might be getting killed for this guy's calendar. I'm not really good at selling movies. Boot, you want to try this one? <laughs> uh, it's about a waitress. Quite frankly, she's a bitch. And uh, if you go to CounterGirlTheMovie.com and watch the trailer, you'll know exactly what we're trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> Booch is and, an actor in it. Yeah, I play a, a diner. He has and a great mustache. I have an awesome mustache. I, was, I mean, I really liked the concept of... I like the concept of Calendar Girl, but I love the concept of Booted. I remember the first time you even told me about Booted before there was even trailers. I was like, this sounds like a fucking great movie. Like, this sounds like Whoa, language, language. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I just finished watching Wasted Apples and did something <laughs> to my brain. You know this is live, right? I know. Yeah, it's like children listening. The internet is not sensitive. The yeah, cyber yeah. police are going to come after me. I done bad. Um, but you know, booted, uh, booted's a good one. It's written by, uh, Derek Lindemann, uh, and that has, uh, Alan Ruck, Colin Quinn, Ryan Dunn, Mark Summers, uh, Blue Meanie again, and if you're a wrestling fan, Jim the Anvil Neidhart. We try to put wrestlers in every single one of our movies. Bootedthemovie.com. See, my thing is, I have sometimes, I don't say I get angry a lot, and when someone says, hey, what's your movie about? Why should I see? I go, you know, don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you it's good. Why 
can't you just take my word for it? Did, did I tell you Jim the Anvil Neidhart's in the movie? That should be enough for you to see it. No, 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 no. Just, just trust me, all right? It's a good goddamn movie. <laughs> and you should see both of them. All three of them. Community College, Booted, and Counter Girl. And we're shooting another movie in March that you should see. it. That's called Mancation. Now listen, I got two requirements for every one of my movies that I want to see or whatever. It's good if it's got blood. And it's good if it's if it's got tits, and you know what? I make sure my movies got those things. Buddha doesn't have any. Buddha doesn't there have wasn't any, any blood community tits college. Kind no, of there's sucks. blood. There's blood. <laughs> oh, there's blood. All right, so that's one. So it's kind of good. <laughs> so you're, you're my my cri- my criteria for movies is is there good mustaches in it, and are there any professional wrestlers? And all of our movies exceed that to the highest regard. <laughs> <laughs> mustaches and wrestlers. <laughs> Now, are you going to return, uh, you know, you've been doing the producer thing for a while. Are you going to return to the directing chair or the writers? Well, producing is definitely what I'm, I feel like I'm good at. Um, but uh, me and Butcher are writing another movie. Uh, can't really go too in detail with it because the main title consists of an actor's name that hasn't said he'd do it yet. <laughs> so it, we'll just call it, it somebody's last movie. Yes, it's now. about these filmmakers who uh, are making a movie. And they find this, they get this actor to be in it, and he happens to be an older actor. And when their movie isn't that good, they decide maybe we should kill the man and make it his final performance so that way our movie gets sold. That, that's some, you said you're bad at movies, summaries, but that pretty much summed up. Well, I wrote that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually working on it today. So. Yeah, the third draft. The first draft was filled with a lot of AIDS jokes <laughs> that we had to yeah. kind of lower down. They're like, the, uh, you know, the people... Like, we, all right, you know, you're on a good pace. <laughs> maybe a little too many AIDS jokes. You know what? Sometimes now that I think about it, just... he did send me both drafts, and I did notice that I was upset that there was a lacking of AIDS jokes in the second draft. Yeah, well, so. you know, you got to live, you got to learn, you know? <laughs> yeah, like... First AIDS joke in the first draft was literally the first page. Well, yeah. Where, whereas, well, the, like, the second draft, it was like the thirtieth page. The, the, <laughs> the, the first, the first script, <laughs> the first page was a guy dying. Of AIDS. <laughs> Listen, I'm dying of AIDS. If there's any way in the future you could do something great about this, just dedicated. <laughs> One day in life, I want you to find an old actor and then kill him for me. Just don't give him my AIDS. That's kind of my thing. That's where we did it. We the first draft was too far. We took it too far, just like I just did right there. <laughs> Can I say it, Tom? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> That's called magic, Johnson. <laughs> well, because well, the, the character's name is Johnson, and it, Johnson's showing uh, the, the, the actor <laughs> magic. <laughs> magic trick. And he goes, that, That's some good magic. Johnson, a magic trick. You can also I wrote go that further one. Into that, Johnson's also like a penis, and penis spreads AIDS. Um, so if people are interested in finding more about... About age jokes. About age jokes. <laughs> they can, the first draft that is nowhere going to be certain, ever made. <laughs> a certain elderly actor's last movie, Boot It, Calendar Girl, or Community College, what's the best site for them to see? find all that information out? Well, each movie has their own thing. Uh, my website that I kind of turned into, I don't want to say a blog site, but the most updated, I guess, would be WastedApples.com. Um, you know, I'm working with uh, Derek Lindemann and John Ganeri. And our new uh, production company is Double Windsor Films. I think that's going to be DoubleWindsorFilms.com, which will have booted trailers and uh, Calendar Girl trailers and eventually Mancation trailer. Yeah. 
Of course, you can find everything on Facebook too. And we are on IMDb. <laughs> I have my picture on IMDb. Fifty bucks. Fifty-four dollars. <laughs> Unlimited pictures now, not just three. Oh really? Yeah, you should do it. And that was Tommy Avaloni and Booch from BleasedApples.com, uh, Double Windsor Productions, and you know, go and check out their products. It's some great stuff. Uh, we'll be back after this commercial break. How's the bacon, honey? It tastes like hog ass. That's because it is hog ass. That's right, hog ass bacon. The first bacon made from pigs forced to eat other pigs. But don't let me tell you about it. Farmer Jed, he's the creator of hog ass bacon. Well, you see, our pigs are raised on the finest farms, and then we feed them until they're nice and plump. But then we put them on an airplane, and we drop it off on a deserted island, and the pigs, they start to divide into two colonies, and they start fighting. It's like that book, Lord of the Rings. And then suddenly one colony defeats the other colony and aids all the pigs. Well, that's our sign to come on down and pick up them pigs so we can get them right in the freezers in your own kitchens. Ain't that right there? That's hog-ass bacon for you. Hog-ass bacon, available everywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, Team Golden. These upbeat words, these upbeat songs You be damn still, pressing along Not knowing that they're all about you This is a rebirth of old colors I put the bass back in basement lovers Used to be green, no one's a PhD And get down between the covers Oh brother, it's criminals and close boys become I'm kind of glum, typically, I'm typically young I'm better when I'm getting all the things that I want So make our takes that fresh from the chopped tongues Oh, you know who wrote the book And club lies, still lies, and give it dirty looks well Shop to list all the dirty crooks When both are a telephone or off the hook I call you up and I didn't get no
Oh, man, that was great. Thank you so much for coming in and doing that. Sure, um, man, no problem. Do, do you want me to call it do Goldie, Matt? What do you, you can what call do you, me Matt. Matt? All right. <laughs> um, so the song you performed was Heartbreak Dancer. Yes. And that's a newer song, older song? No, that's an older song. Um, it, so is that on the uh, the New Year's Eve EP that they told me you recently released? Or what's the story? <laughs> they, <with that? laughs> they, the producers. You know. The producers. <laughs> um, no, it's not on that. It's on a... Um, a self-titled EP that I released uh, a little while ago and will potentially be re-recorded for a new record in the future. Uh, so what, what's the deal with this record? Is it like, does it have even a slight release date? Like sometime 2011? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or will it, like... <laughs> yeah it has um, everything other than one song for the new record is already demoed and done. Um, so I need to finish one more demo and then I'll have the record done in demo form. And then I'm figuring out how I'm going to pay for it to record it and press it, and then I'll have it out as soon as that is sorted out. So it's pretty much money standing in the way right now. So hopefully, uh, I'm aiming to have it out by the spring at the latest. All right. Uh, now but this, we'll see. Now this EP, the New Year's Eve EP. Yeah. Uh, where you know what is it exactly? Uh, I mean, I know an EP is you know <laughs> like roughly five, six songs right, or right. shorter. But, you know, what? obviously one song is New Year's Eve. Yes. Um, where, you know, what else is on there? How can people get it? How can people hear it to decide if they want to get it? How much is it? You know, all that. So it's it's actually, it's it really seems like more of a single than an EP. It's gotcha. um, a song called New Year's Eve that's going to be on the new record in a slightly different form. And uh, it's that, an acoustic version of the same song, and then a B-side uh, called Palo Alto that's a demo I did a while back that isn't going to be on the new record. And uh, I just wanted to kind of put it out there. It seemed like the right time of year, right. it being the new year, to put it <laughs> out there. And I uh, wanted people to be able to hear something new. And um, yeah, so I just kind of, on a whim, decided to throw it up on uh, the website Bandcamp, and it's up there teamgoldie.bandcamp.com and you can download the EP <laughs> just in hand, hand quotes which is perfect for a podcast <laughs> um, the EP slash single slash whatever for a dollar or whatever you would like to contribute alright and is this uh, is this a new sound like does this sound like your old stuff is this a new sound you're going for um, you know why this particular song just because it fit in with New Year's Eve or right yeah, yeah. that's Europe? actually that's I mean that's the reason why I shared that <laughs> song other than any of the others this song actually isn't really indicative of the new style of stuff as a whole or the old stuff it's like a super fast um, like punk rock song it's like the f fastest shortest song I think I've ever written and uh <laughs> It's just really fun and high energy, and uh, a lot of the other new stuff is more in a, a rock direction than some of the stuff I've done in the past, but uh, it all feels really cohesive and feels like Team Goldie songs. Now, now I've known you for, for a while. I, yeah. I mean, I started talking to you just as you were stopped just as you were getting ready to stop being MC Goldie Wilson, right? Which was what was before Team Goldie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I have a lot of the MC Goldie Wilson demos, and it's a very different sound. It's it's very different. Uh, what, like, it? I guess you went from you know singing about you know Washington fucking apples <laughs> to uh, to to singing about prostitutes on your last EP or strippers. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, where, where did it 
go from from silly, goofy songs to kind of a dark, depressing song about the life of a stripper. I don't think that song wasn't, you know, I don't think I wrote that song from a literal standpoint. I think it was more, <laughs> more metaphorical. Um, but yeah, I just, it was really gradual. I think song by song when I was writing songs and recording songs at that time, each song would become something slightly different and it gradually turned into what it is now, which is something completely different than it was, you know, at the beginning. It was a sort of goofy hip-hop project, and a lot of the songs, in hindsight, are pretty terrible, <laughs> and I have, I have a tough time listening to them, but, uh, yeah, it was just a really gradual thing. There was never really any conscious decision to write songs a certain way or to take things more seriously. It was just, like, each song progressively became uh, more and more closer to what it is now, and I think, you know, with each song I write, for the most part, I th am more happy with them than the last. I mean, obviously it's a different, way different time era, but you say you're a little embarrassed by some, are, are there any that, despite the fact that you'll probably never perform them again and right, never no, release never. them, are there a few that you listen to and you're like, for what this was, this was actually really funny or well, well produced? Like, I know that there's one in particular, beyond the Washington Apple song, which I think everybody who's heard is just for whatever reason, clung to that song because it's just so catchy. Yeah, yeah. But you have the one song. song, you have the one Nintendo song about... Uh, that was the first song that I ever uh, wrote and recorded for what would become Team Gold. What was the... I can't remember what the It was game. about bad dudes. The video game <laughs> Bad Dudes. That's the... That's about the pace I was running at at that time. <laughs> what was... You were saving like President Reagan. Or well, I wasn't. Or? That's the, that's the plot of Bad Dude. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> right. that's the plot of that game was was to save the president because <laughs> the president had been kidnapped by ninjas, and the president at the time was Ronald Reagan, and an animated Ronald Reagan was in the game. Do, do you do you see yourself? Do you think that you would have still been doing if you didn't decide to move into Team Goldie? Would right. would MC Goldie Wilson still even be performing, or would that have died and you would have just kind of? gone on to doing something else with your life beyond <laughs> Team Goldie. Well, I think I think it did die, and I think it almost feels like what it is now is almost a different band, but being that I'm the only band member, it's not It's not like I, I broke up and started a new band, Yeah. but I kind of did start a new band almost. I mean, this, this, the songs are completely different. Now, it's just... I, I almost think of it as a new band. Um... And you know, while we're talking about bands in right. in the past, I've talked to you, and you know, I would say maybe two years ago when we were we were doing an interview for a different podcast, mm -hmm. and you had said, you know, the goal is one of these days to to have a full <laughs> band. Yeah. Do you still have that goal in mind? Yeah, or are yeah. you finding more fun trying to figure out how to do it all by yourself? Like, say say you were to get a band, would the music still sound? Would you still do the the album? Right. On your own, like almost. I mean, obviously, it's a completely different genre, but Trent Reznor style, where you do yeah, the whole yeah. album by yourself, but then you just have a band that can replicate that sort of sound right. for live. Or would you want it to almost be, you know, Gym Class Heroes style, where you just it's Team Goldie is the band with you, and they're in the studio recording the songs yeah. with you. I mean, I'm definitely open to writing with other people if you know the fit would be right. Um, I mean, at this point, though, I have one full record written. And then I have, you know, bits and pieces of the next record already written. 
and I feel like I'll probably end up writing the next record completely by myself too, just because it's easy and I don't have to deal with other people. Well, I, and I feel like you doing it solo, it does give the songs a very distinct feeling because it's right. You know, it's easy to say like, okay, he's a white rapper that has kind of pop punk influence. Right. Well, I don't even I don't even rap that much anymore. No, you don't really. <laughs> but it's it's easy for people to be like, oh, like especially in the early days, right? You know, people would compare you to say like, I even put you on a show with like MC Lars, and yeah. you get compared. Which to I mean, MC it makes sense but it's just like that's it's a different to, to compare you to them right. doesn't completely make sense because yeah, it's a yeah. completely different style you have your your sound is very distinct right and i feel like sometimes like with a band it would be hard to continue that distinct sound because it it does have that organic sound of yeah. one person doing multiple layers of guitar work and, right. and stuff like that which you know, you could. I guess you could technically still do with a band, but I mean, that's just my opinion on that. Um, what's the What's the plan of release? Uh, is Is this new CD in 2011, circus spring and or summer? Right. Um, See, you're going, even you're even pushing it, it back. Cause he, cause he, <laughs> You're preemptively pushing it back to, to summer. Well, I'm not going to preemptively push it fall, into winter. Fall 2011. <laughs> um, is that going to be just self-released, or is there? Are you in talks with other labels, or are you just? I'm going to put this one out for myself and see how it flies. I mean, I don't. I don't have any definite plans right now. Um, if I were to come, you know, across people who were like-minded and had the same vision that I did for the record, and you know, for the project as a whole, I'm totally open to um, working with people to put it out. But you know, if that's not the case, then I'm more than game to put it out myself i've put out everything you know i've done so far by myself and it's worked out okay so well thank you for being on the show of man. course man uh, you know i'll hit me up anytime if you need an opening act i i will saint mort is always willing i'll be to, sure to uh, embarrass himself in do, front do some of weird out covers do some weird out covers embarrass myself in front of a vast majority of people yes. i i am shameless as <laughs> as the listeners of this show will eventually learn as episodes come out there is uh, really no holds bars on what i say and do sometimes it's the truth and sometimes it backfires but uh <laughs> all right i'd like to thank everyone for listening this wraps up the first episode of the saint mort show uh chico's vibe will be playing us out and uh thank you for listening we'll be back next month show is presented by geekscape.net and powerdown productions and features music by chico's vibe you can find at chicosvibe.com as well as music by dj sneak and team goldie found at myspace.com slash team goldie